welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I'm your host, Connor Chato. And I'm your co-host, Ariel Frame. And we're here with Nathan Esch. Thanks for being here. Hi, great to be here. Hey, Nathan. Uh, I know uh, I see you around at uh, psychology talks and sometimes neuroscience talks. I've seen you all over the place, so I know your work covers uh, various disciplines. Why don't you, why don't you tell us uh, broadly, wh- what do you study? Uh, Yeah, so I was trained in experimental psychology, and really my focus is a sub-discipline of experimental psychology called evolutionary psychology, which tries to understand what makes humans unique compared to other animals, trying to understand human nature. And for the past few years, my focus has been on understanding the origins and evolution of things like music and language. So how unique is, is something like language to humans? I know there's a lot of animals that do communicate and have some degree of language, but uh, what is it about like maybe human language that, that seems to make it really special? Right. Well, most linguists get their feathers ruffled when you say that um, other animals have language, um, you know, but um, certainly lots of other animals. In fact, most other animals communicate. Um, there's a lot of debate, though, about what makes human language unique. And so some people have argued that um, it's things like recursive syntax that makes human language unique compared to other animal communication systems. Um, Recursion is something that uh, has the ability to to refer back to itself. So if you take a sentence that says, um, Mary went to the store uh, to pick up a loaf of bread because she needed um, uh, breadcrumbs to make, uh, you know, a Stuffing. Uh, stuffing or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It kind of refers back to the original phrase. And um, a lot of linguists and um, animal behavior people seem to think that that's what's unique about language. Um, there's also uh, a list of criteria called Hockett's design features of language, um, which some um, people claim also makes human language unique. So it's about 15 to 20 different criteria. I forget exactly how many. But it's things like duality of patterning and... Um, uh, a list of other um, attributes. Um, this guy, Hockett, back in the 1960s, came up with this list of features that makes language unique. And so um, other people have argued that that's, it's not recursion that's important, but it's this list of design features. So um, to answer your question, it's, uh, it's debated and it's an open question. But um, certainly by first approximation, human language is much more complicated than any other animal communication system. Um, I mean, we have the ability to express whatever it is that we're thinking, and other animal communication systems are not able to to express whatever that is that they think. Right. Wow. So um, you are currently a postdoc in Jessica Grant's lab, right? Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you do experimental psychology. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit? Of, do you do do you do experiments? What kind of experiments do you do to get to the answer of this uh, evolutionary question? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can approach evolutionary questions. Um, one way is through comparative animal behavior studies. Um, uh, that's not what I'm working on right now, though. I'm working with human subjects, um, but the um, the ideas are informed by evolutionary principles, and so kind of the main theory about why humans have music and humans have language is that it helped um, human be- human uh, early humans to facilitate and um, cooperate and um, promote group cohesion. And it was groups that had, you know, high levels of group cohesion that were able to survive better than groups that did not have uh, group cohesion. 
And so uh, this theory says that um, the reason why mu- music and language are specific to humans is because it helped facilitate social bonding in, in, in groups that were very cohesive. And so in the laboratory, I'm trying to test this theory that, um, that music actually does facilitate social bonding and it brings people together. So does that mean your lab experiments actually involve people getting together and, and playing music? Is that kind of? Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's what I'm focused on right now. Um, and so right now I'm having participants come into the laboratory and play a musical piece on piano. Um, cool. And um, uh, basically they have to play music for about 10 minutes. Um, they're total strangers that come into the lab. And then I look to see if they feel more bonded um, and closer connected to each other after they played music together for 10 minutes compared to, like, say, any social activity. Interesting. And and is this a matter of each of them kind of bringing a piece and, and sharing it? So person A plays something, person B then plays something else? Or is it, do they actually have to, like, cooperate on the same piece of music? Does it, like, need to be more of a duet sort of thing? Yeah, it's more about duetting. So I have them cooperate together on the same piece of music and um, I have to. I tell them what to play at the beginning, so I don't leave it completely open ended. Right. And so most of them are playing heart and soul on piano. The classic. And so they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kind of cooperate together to to play this musical piece. Um, and um, yeah, I look to see how they're interacting and feeling more connected after they've played music. You know, the first thing I thought of when you when you mentioned you know music and cohesion, I imagined people. I mean, nowadays we just. <laughs> flick on like <laughs> turn on music and we sit around and we all listen to music at like a party or something where people go together at a concert so uh, and then you mentioned people making music so is there a difference in the amount of cohesion you might get from from listening to music with somebody else versus um, playing music with somebody else yeah that's a really good question and that was something that I was interested in myself um, so that's part of what my experiments are looking at to see if there's a difference between um, just merely being in the same room as somebody listening to the same music um, versus actually playing music together and um, uh, you know is it is it the fact that you're actually c- c- um, cooperating in that activity? at the same time, or does it just have to do with the fact that you're surrounded by music? And although the data is still pretty preliminary right now, so far it seems to indicate that, um, at least based on these experiments, people feel much more bonded and connected when they're actually making music together as a team, as opposed to just listening um, uh, to, to ambient music. So there seems to be a stronger effect. Um, now that's not to say that people don't feel connected, um, <clears throat> when they're listening to the same music, and certainly people tend to um, segregate and associate with people, especially people that like the same music that they do, because it seems to indicate they have a similar value system. Um, but um, as far as my experiments go, it really seems to be about the playing music together. That's key. Interesting. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I well, I guess this might explain why. Uh, it, I may may or may not get along with someone and they come in the room and they like turn country on and I don't like it and I'm like mm. you know what not that fond of that exactly <laughs> that one over there. yeah it's very individually specific yeah musical tastes are just all over the map for people and um, you know there's been some question about what it is about um, music that makes people affiliate and it seems to be saying something about their value system so if you think about 
the difference between punk rock versus country music. People that really um, gravitate towards one type of music or the other, they're pretty different. Like punk rock ethos is very different from a country rock ethos. So it's not just the music that they like, but it's the fact that it says something about a person's values and personality. Yeah, so it's kind of like this culturally binding thing. I Absolutely. Like. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a cultural marker in a sense. Do you, do you think there's there's also a sense, a sense of actual, essentially like nationality, tradition, background that, that also ties into that same thing where, you know, people get really, really proud of a particular music that their place of living could be based around? and. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think music is very tied up with culture. You know, it's almost impossible to separate the two. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many different musical traditions that come out of Africa, for example, that most people are not even exposed to in Western culture. But, um, you know, I mean, the, the tribal density in Africa is very great, you know, so you might have like 100 different tribes within the same like 20 mile radius. And right. each one of those different tribes have has a different form of music making. Yeah. And they use the music, I think, to try to um, to bond uh, those groups together, but also separate those groups from other groups. I also think of, since we're talking about music and language, uh, it seems like music can differentiate and change these days so much faster than language can. I mean, just in the English-speaking world, I mean, just in maybe just America alone, the U.S., you can think of all these different musical styles that have come out of all these different places. Well, the language has more or less been the same. It's been like modern U.S. English. Uh, but the the diversity of musical styles just out of U.S. has split up really, really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's an interesting observation that I hadn't really thought about um, before. But certainly, I mean, um, I mean, new words do arise in our language all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have, I mean, the word internet did not exist 50 years ago. Right. And there's new words, you know, arising all the time. You know, people just invent these new words and they catch on and then they become part of our language. So... Language certainly does evolve and change over time, there's no question, but um, I think music, like you said, there's something really trendy about it, you know? I mean, something can be very fashionable for three months, and then three months later it can be cast aside and something totally different is, you know, at the top of the charts or whatever. And um, I'm not sure why that is. I think people's musical tastes are just very fickle, you know? and. Mm -hmm. It might also have to do with constraints on language itself. You know, if, if language was changing all the time, it would be really hard to use it as a medium of communication that wasn't just totally chaotic. Yeah. Um, but music doesn't have that same constraint. You know, it can kind of conform to people's arbitrary tastes, and um, it doesn't, um, it, it's not, we don't use it as much for communication, and we're not as dependent on it as we are for language, if that makes sense. Um, so, touching on cohesion again um, and how music might help with uh, human cohesion and uh, over over the evolution of, hu of humans uh, this might be why we form groups and how we did it. I can think of one other thing that uh, the people might have pointed to for forming cohesion and uh, I don't know if this is of any interest to you but uh, religion has been pointed to frequently as uh, the thing that brought us together and brought us out of the differed us from from from, from evolutionarily and people are making those arguments now uh, but you know it occurs to me that a lot in in a lot of religions they use music as well <laughs> as part of the cohesion is it possible that music in religion is what is 
actually the factor that's forming, you know, enabling religions to contribute to cohesion and really the other aspects of the religion are not really the main main contributors and you could have music you could have easily had music without the religion and had equal levels of cohesion formed is that possible uh yeah well, i certainly believe that you know one of the functions of religion from a evolutionary sense is to uh, bring groups together and facilitate group cohesion um as to what what it is in particular about religion um versus music um I think to me they probably just have something similar to say about a person's value system, you know? I mean, uh, like when I was talking about the punk rock versus rap or classical music examples versus country music, you know, they say something particular about what, what's important to a person. And I think that's true with religion. You know, they're all pretty different in a sense, you know? I mean, they have common denominators, but, um, you know, I mean, I think part of the friction we have in modern society and why a lot of wars are created is because of religious differences between people and mm-hmm. what they say about a person's ideology and how they view the world. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think most people would think that Muslim is pretty different from Christianity, even though they might have originated from the same source. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just have different views about women and equal rights and a lot of these things. And so they say something very direct about values. Um, and I think music probably does the same thing. Yeah, I don't know any. I don't know any wars over music, though. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Although there are times throughout human history when music has been used as kind of like a a rallying, like almost like if you think mm-hmm. of like uh, Scottish, um, you know, drummer drummers right before they go to battle, it's almost like they use that musical rhythm to try to like spur a certain attitude towards the the other tribes and so on and so forth that they're about to go into battle with. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the, because there, there is varying degrees of, I guess, how national and, and regional your music or culture is versus how much it's just used to represent an ideology within a culture or in between different cultures. Um, and I guess that's, we would, you know, we'd, we'd differentiate between um completely traditionally based musics as opposed to like more stylistically based modern ones um you know um that makes me think that you know if it is regional nowadays in the age of the internet our our brand new word (laughs) uh you uh, if i wanted to find a particular type of punk music that i really liked i could form a an online community that could include people from, you know, Japan, Malaysia, and northern Sweden, uh, and then eastern Canada, and then that's our community. And it doesn't really, we don't really it's, need to be tied to a region ways. anymore. Is are people forming cohesion like over the internet now with music? It, I mean, do you know anything about that? Um. Yeah. I mean. Um. I think that's probably absolutely true. Is the internet's allowed people to uh, gravitate to other people with similar values and preferences in a way that's never been possible before. And music is just you know another way in which people do that. Um. You know, or even invent new musics. You know, find people around the world that they can collaborate with and create a music that's never been heard or made before. And. Um, yeah, I think just like with anything else, the Internet's allowed people to connect with each other with people with similar attitudes and interests. And, um, yeah, music is just one of those different ways. So um, 
I, I got to be honest, when I was a kid, I didn't really listen to that much music. And it could have been because my parents didn't just didn't play that much music at home. Mm-hmm. We didn't get home. Like, I know a lot of people, they just kind of have music playing in the house all the time. My parents didn't do that that much. And only later did, was I influenced. I don't know. I don't know who told me about the Beatles, but I loved it. So I li- listened to it. And then I remember my friend, uh, you know, being sitting me down and showing me punk and listening, saying, listen to these words. And, and, and maybe he's like revolution. He was a anti-authoritarian kind of dude so yeah you're right it was totally bringing people together and and uh cohesiveness where where was your first start with music how did you uh how'd you get involved in the academic world of of music um yeah i mean i guess i've been listening to music early on since i was a little kid um i mean i can remember as young as like four or five years old listening to like fleetwood mac tunes coming out of like my parents living room and stuff and being really drawn to it and then only later like once you know I became a teenager young adult finding out you know who these bands really were because at that age I didn't know like you know much about music at all I just knew that I liked it um and I guess later on when I started college um I got just really interested in like human nature and understanding like what it means to be human and um what makes people unique compared to other animals, uh, why we're so quirky, why we're so intelligent. Um, and at the time when I was in my undergraduate degree, it just seemed like there were come some outstanding questions that we didn't really know much about. One of them was like, you know, why are humans such a musical species? Um, another one was why are humans such a, a language communicate, you know, language-based communicative species? Um, why do human beings have religion, you know? where do these things come from and why don't you see those things in other animals? Is it just a matter of intelligence or is there a specific like evolutionary purpose for it? Hmm. And so I wrote my undergraduate senior thesis on the evolution of language, trying to understand why language was specific to humans. And then I later did a master's degree um, called the evolution of language and cognition, going one step further and trying to understand language even more. And then I ended up doing that again for my PhD Um, But then after I finished um, graduate school, um, I realized that there was actually a lot more in common between music and language that most people had not really appreciated in full detail, and one of those things would be social bonding. Um, uh, I think the best arguments are uh, for why humans have those traits is, uh, you know, really has to do with a lot with social bonding, and so I decided to try to look at that for my postdoc. trying to understand what it is about music and language that makes people you know bond and bring bring themselves together i i said when you when you said that you were listening to fleetwood mac at an age where you didn't really understood never or wouldn't have been able to understand uh really who the band was who these people were and all the stories associated with with them it made me think of the way we with celebrity we tie music to the musician a Mm. lot and so, you know, something like a very, very strong character like Kanye West, maybe it it makes me feel really different about listening to Kanye's music. If if I didn't know who Kanye was, I would feel completely different about, you know, what what they're putting out. Um, and I wonder if that becomes hard for you in, in your research is trying to parse out these kind of other associations people might have with styles of music that maybe don't have as much to do with the music itself uh, when you're looking at their interaction with music and their response to it? 
yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, um, uh, one of the things I'm interested in looking at and trying to get um, an online study going is um, whether or not people's um, musical tastes uh, really do uh, bring them together in the way that we think we do and what it is about musical tastes. So is it the fact that you like a particular piece of music that makes you feel more bonded to a person, or does it have to do with the fact that you're familiar with that piece of music Mm -hmm. that makes you feel more bonded? Mm -hmm. Um, Or is it both? And um, so, for example, um, uh, maybe you grew up in the southern United States and you heard country music all the time. And even though you weren't a big fan of it, it was you were just exposed to it all the time. Well, yeah. let's say you bump into somebody at the park or, um, I don't know, just at a random place. Let's say you're, um, I don't know, in somewhere in Europe or something, and you don't know anybody around, and you hear somebody listening to you know, the same country music that you listened to growing up. Now, it might not be your favorite country music, but you might be um, drawn to that person and try to strike up a conversation and be like, hey, that's my, f- you know, I grew up on that kind of music. Mm. And... Um, and so even though it might not be your favorite or preferred music, there might be something about that music that's provincial and kind of draws you to people because of that common um, denominator. Um, but, yeah, what I'm curious about is whether it has to do with likability, preference, music preferences, or the fact that you're familiar with it that that's, makes mm-hmm. you feel more drawn to a person. It could be both. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of... Um getting a, an ideology like underlying from the music uh, would it make a difference then if the ideology in the music was overt because they say it or w- what about what about music without lyrics <laughs> I mean there's no in a way you're actually kind of using language in your music um, if you have lyrics but if you have no words then I'm not really sure how you communicate ideology although there's like I mean, there is groups that listen to music without lyrics. So how do you distinguish music with and without words? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think the bottom line is it has a lot to do with individual differences. And so um, I know anecdotally I've talked to people that um, they get super, super into a band um, purely for the rhythmic and melodic aspects of of something. And then they might be aware of the the lyrics that are like, um, they might be misogynistic or they might be racist or they might have some language that people don't nearly appreciate, but yeah, and somehow they still like and enjoy the music and they just kind of ignore the lyrics. Um, I know other people that um, they're not super into the music because it's, you know, let's say punk rock, it might be very simplistic and just kind of like droney, you know, the same three chords over and over again. But yet they're drawn into that music because it has a very strong political message mm-hmm. and it speaks to their value system in a very deep and profound way, even mm-hmm. though the, the music itself might be pretty simplistic and, you know, three bar chords, uh, you know, standard of punk rock music. And so I think it depends on the individual differences. I think people are drawn to music for different reasons. Uh, Sometimes it has to do with the lyrics. Sometimes it has to do with a melody. I find in my own life, the types of music I'm really drawn to, there's something really deep about the lyrics, but there's something really deep about the melody too. And it's when those two come together that I find I'm, those are the bands I appreciate the most types of music. Yeah, I can can think definitely in my head, about music 
that I've listened to and I've enjoyed. And then someone asked me like, you know, that's such a profound story they told in the in the song. And I go, what story? I've heard that song like thousands of times. I literally never listened to the lyrics. I don't even I don't know what it says in the lyrics. I could probably sing the song <laughs> yeah. if if you played it, uh, uh, but I still don't I don't consciously recognize what's being said in it because I'm just listening to the tune. Whereas um, you mentioned punk as simple, and that's a great example because uh, when my buddy was sitting me down to be like, listen to this punk music, I remember being like, this is really like grating. But then as he was explaining, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. screw the system. Yeah. You know? like, exactly. and, and then I, I would listen to it a couple more times. And as I got familiar with it, I got over the fact that melodically it was not interesting. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, even the Beatles is like kind of not. It's simple, but but it, but it is actually kind of pretty well done. And then it also mm-hmm. always had like kind of some of them had subtle metaphorical political messages. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. I mean, that, that really opens my eyes up to the different perspectives on how you can perceive music and how there might be individual differences. Connor, what do you think about music? Do you, li- you listen to the lyrics or no? Yeah, I think it really depends on the musician as well. I mean, I mean, I find some musicians are really, really lyrically focused and I respect them for that. But then there's other musicians where the mission doesn't even really seem to be the lyrics. Sometimes it's more about the melody or just kind of evoking a particular feeling and I I think that's cool too but you kind of gotta I guess in my mind I usually go into it maybe focusing on what they seem to be putting the most energy into you know what's what's uh, their mission as a musician but anyways it looks like we're just about out of time thank you so much for coming on the show though Nathan I'll uh, post some place where listeners can follow up with you or contact you about your research uh, in the show notes This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I've been your host, Connor Chato, with my co-host, Ariel Frame, and we've been speaking with Nathan Esch. This episode was produced by Laura Munoz. If you would like to get involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we're on CHRW 94.9 every Tuesday at 6 p.m. and every other Thursday at 1.30 p.m. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night. <laughs>